impactful event in all of human history. It was over 2,000 years ago that a man named Jesus of Nazareth stepped into the public eye in the region of Judea in Palestine or in Israel. In that region, he stepped into history beginning in a place called Galilee. He started teaching and healing, and soon there were reports uh, spread all throughout the place of all kinds of miraculous things that were happening, and people heard things like, love your enemies. That was a new message. No one had ever said that before. Love your enemies. He said things like, you can't serve God and money. He said things like, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about tomorrow. He taught and said different things like, if your right hand offends you, cut it off, right? If your eye offends you, cut it out, right? Some hard things that he said. He also taught to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. He called the religious ruling class snakes to their face. He called them snakes, and he said, hey, you smell like an open grave. He, people like outcasts, tax collectors, um, prostitutes, sinners, he called them his friends. He healed lepers and cripples. He opened blinded eyes and deaf ears, and he even forgave sins. He told stories. He laughed. He wept. And he prayed, he was loved, and he was hated. And multitudes of people gathered and followed him as he showed them what it meant to be really and truly alive, to be full of life and love and hope and faith and courage and life. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He even went as far to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And for that, he was put to death. He was betrayed by one of his closest friends. He was put on trial and beaten. And some of the same multitude that was in awe of him were shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And they stripped him naked and nailed him to a cross between two thieves. And he was mocked. And as he suffered, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He took on himself the sins of the whole world, and he died there. And his followers laid his body in a tomb. The Roman authorities placed guards and they rolled a huge stone over the entrance of the tomb. And they even put a seal on it to keep anyone from going in. But it had not occurred to them that someone would be coming out of the tomb. His body lay in that tomb, and on the third day, his followers came with herbs. They came with herbs so people wouldn't smell what they thought would be the death and decay that laid inside that tomb, but they found the stone rolled away. They found the stone rolled away, the tomb was empty, and to their surprise, and to their dismay, and even to their 
despair. They were shocked. They were bewildered. They didn't understand what was happening. And it was in that moment that they heard a voice say, do not be afraid. It was Jesus. And by the way, that's just like Jesus. In my moment of shock or despair or dismay or I can't believe what's happening around me, that's when Jesus shows up and he says, do not be afraid. Jesus had risen from the dead, delivering to us the life and the love and the hope and the joy and the courage and the faith and the real life that he had promised us. And that's why we and others all around the world gather together and celebrate today because hope and forgiveness and life are available to us because Jesus did not stay dead. That's what today is all about. And at Wellspring, the past few weeks, we've been teaching about the type of family that we hope to be. And to put it simply, if you've come the past few weeks, you've heard me say this, to put it simply, uh, Wellspring is a Jesus church. And when people find out that we started this church, we started it in my home in December, and in January, we started meeting here at the YMCA, and people a lot of times ask when they hear about it, what type of church is that? And, and they're asking, you know, what's our denomination, or what's our theology, or, or maybe like if we handle snakes and everybody plays a tambourine, right? Like, like, I get it. I get it. I understand why people are asking that question. But hear me out. There is nothing and there is no one I would rather identify with than Jesus. Wellspring is a Jesus church. We, we say that we are committed to following Jesus. We're committed to being changed by Jesus. And we're committed to the mission of Jesus. We've walked through John chapter number four, and I'm going to be there again today. It's a familiar story known to many people as the woman at the well. And we've seen three things about Jesus that we hope could be and should be true about us as a family here. And so to recap the story really quickly for you, just to make sure we're all on the same page, the religious leaders had started to keep score between Jesus and John the Baptist to see who had more followers, to see who was baptizing more people. And Jesus was so repulsed by that religious scorekeeping that he left and went through a region called um, Samaria. And, and the reason why that's significant uh, is because you'll see in a moment, Jesus was Jewish and Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. In fact, they hated each other, but that didn't stop Jesus. Right, And I've come to experience, there's a whole lot of things that I try to do to stop Jesus from doing something, uh, but it really doesn't matter because I can't stop him from doing what he wants to do. Like I said earlier, you cannot overcome perfect love. And it didn't stop Jesus from stopping by a well to rest, to rest along the way on his journey and sending his disciples into a town to buy food and having a conversation with a woman who was there in the heat of the day to draw water from a well. It's in that conversation that Jesus says this verse that we talk about all the time, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus isn't talking about our idea of heaven 
spirit where he's not talking about some future state of being. Jesus is talking about a right here, right now reality, something that you and I can experience, access to real life, 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 and more life. This is an invitation to live, right? My dream for myself and for Wellspring is to be a family of living humans that are walking this earth, right? So people can see the difference between existing and living. And the difference between existing and living isn't what you say that you believe. Listen, there are lots of people that say they believe lots of different things about Jesus. The difference is what sustains you. I I, I use this phrase a lot, to, to live deep. Because when you live a deep life, that's when, like Jesus, you come alive. You come alive and you're filled with love and hope and joy and courage and strength and life. And so I want to dive in together one last time in this series into this story. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, you can go ahead and turn with me to John chapter number 4. And we'll begin reading in verse number 7. We'll have it on the screen behind me to follow along too. Verse 7 says this, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus asks her for water, but he has something else in mind to give her. Now, now I say something that can ruffle some feathers of religious people sometimes. I don't mind doing that. I actually enjoy it sometimes. But I say this thing, and sometimes it can ruffle some feathers. Jesus doesn't want anything from me. Jesus doesn't want anything from me, right? So many people either don't follow Jesus because they think of all the different things that I'm going to have to give Jesus so I can't follow him. I don't want to follow him. Either that or people get so focused on the dramatic performance they want to give to Jesus so he'll like them. Right, that, that both groups of people completely miss out on what Jesus has to give them. Jesus doesn't want anything from you. He wants something for you, and he offers living water. But, but what I want to do today is I want you to see where this living water comes from. Verse number 11, she says, Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his livestock? Now, now if you look in the next verse, Jesus doesn't answer her question. 
in the entire story, if you read all 42 verses of this story, he never answers that question. Where do you get this living water? And let me tell you, sometimes it's like that. Sometimes I ask God questions, I ask Jesus questions, and he just won't answer. It doesn't seem like the answer is there. Have you ever experienced that? God, why? God, where? God, how? And it's just nothing. Sometimes it's like that. He didn't answer the question here. But I want to encourage you, he does answer it later. Not with what he says, but with what he does. And a lot of times that's exactly how God works in your questions that you ask him. He might not answer it with his voice. He'll answer it with what he does, with your tongue and tongue. So Jesus doesn't answer the questions you ask of, of where exactly living water comes from. But I want us to take a look in, into the Hebrew scriptures and see something that I think ties living water, this story, um, the persons who reference Jacob, and Easter all into one. And I I really think this story does all of it when you set it in the context. It's Genesis chapter number 29. Um, So you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to have it on the screen too. Genesis chapter number 29. uh, We're talking about Jacob. That's the guy that he referenced. He, he, He asked Jesus, are you greater than our father Jacob who dug this well, right, and drank from it himself? Is that who you're greater than? And so when you look into Jacob's story, Jacob is the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham. So, and if you don't know what that is, those are like the most famous people in the Old Testament, right? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the most famous dudes around, right? Um, And so he is the son of Isaac, the son of Abraham, and he's on a journey. And on this journey, uh, he had just had a dream in a place called Bethel. And in this dream, God promised Jacob, listen, I am with you. I will watch over you, and I will never leave you. And what's really encouraging about that is that those are the same things that Jesus promises to us. He says, I'm with you. I will never leave you and never forsake you. Right? And so let's go ahead and read in Genesis chapter 29, verse number 1. It says, Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern people. There he saw a well in the open country, with three flocks of sheep lying near it, because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. Verse number seven says, look, Jacob said, the sun is still high. It's not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the, water the sheep and take them back to camp. You can't, they replied. You can't until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we will water the sheep. This well that Jacob happens upon had a large stone blocking the top. You have to understand, every single well in that day, even in Jesus' day, had a big, giant capstone that sat over the top of the well. The stone, they couldn't water it unless the stone had been rolled away. Then they could water the sheep. The water was trapped underneath the stone. It didn't matter how thirsty you were. It didn't matter how thirsty the flock was. No one was getting any water until the stone had been rolled away. 
And even then, during that time, even then, uh, the water was only accessible for a moment, and then the stone was rolled back over the well. No one was getting any water until the stone had been rolled away. Now, fast forward nearly 2,000 years from this story, and there was a stone over a tomb in a garden not far from a hill where Jesus had been nailed to the cross. And Jesus, who had promised living water and a wellspring of eternal life, Jesus, who had promised an end to thirst, the thirst of our, the thirst that would satisfy our soul's deepest longing. Listen, but no one was getting any water until the stone rolled away. It was then on the third day that the ground began to shake and the stone that covered the mouth of the tomb was rolled away and death was swallowed up in victory and life poured out from that tomb. At the resurrection of Jesus, Jesus, the living water, fulfilled the promise that whoever drinks of that water, they will never thirst. And he says, indeed, I will put in them a well of water springing up to eternal life. Listen, if your soul is thirsty, if you don't want to just exist, if you want to live, if you want to come alive with something real, I have really great news for you this morning. The stone has been rolled away. Hope and forgiveness and life are available to you because Jesus did not stay dead. He's alive. All you have to do There's one last thing that I want us to consider when we think about water and wells and this expectation that Jesus is having. Listen, if you're a Christ follower, if you've tasted living water, if you have that wellspring of life in you, this thing I want you to consider, is it for us to people around us? Do you think the water is holy enough to the people around us? See, what happens sometimes is we allow big, giant stones to roll over us and trap that water in us. Proverbs chapter 1 to 4, verse 23 is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. It says, above all else, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. Everything pours from it. Listen, it's easy to allow wanting your own everything for yourself, wanting to appear important to cover up that well, to stop the water from pouring out into other people. And I'm not sure that it is for you. I, I, I know for me, sometimes, a lot of times, it's my own pride. It might be pride. It might be just wanting pleasure. It might be unforgiveness. It might be selfishness. It might be hate. Listen, the list go on and on, but I think if we're honest, we all know what that stone is, or maybe stones are that are blocking the water from coming out. Listen up. No one is getting any water unless the stone is rolled away. That's true for the well in your life. No one's going to get any water unless the stone is rolled away. I want to invite you to take inventory of your own heart, because here's the reality. Your family, your children, your friends, your neighbors, your community are all thirsting for something real. And rolling the stone away 
just, listen, rolling a stone away that's over your own heart, that's blocking that living water out. Listen, it might take work. <laughs> you might need some help. That's what this family is for, right? In, in the Old Testament, in that story about Jacob, they had like these shepherds, a bunch of different shepherds to push that stone away. You might need help. That's what this family is for. Other people in your life who love you and believe in you and want to propel you forward into what God has for you. I know this. If you're going to allow that living water out, like it's going to take Jesus and it's going to take a commitment. I'm going to go ahead and ask Brandon to come up and play behind me a little bit. And I want to invite you to make one of these three commitments that we talked about yesterday. If you've come the past couple weeks, you've heard me say this phrase again and again and again. I want to invite you to make one or maybe two or maybe all three of these commitments. First, I want to invite you to commit to follow Jesus. How's that sound? I'm committed to following Jesus. Weston is not built on you following me. I am going to let you down 100%. I need Jesus, just like you need Jesus. I want to invite you to commit to follow Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you've never put your faith in him. You've never believed who he is, who he says he is. You might know things about him, but you've never seen Jesus as someone you need. I want to encourage you, he didn't come to start a religion, right? And the last thing I ever want to do when I started a church is to have a bunch of, I want to start this religious services. That's what I want. No. Jesus didn't come to start a religion. He came to start a relationship with you. And if you need to commit to follow Jesus today, I want to invite you to open yourself up to him. Stop fighting. But God loves you. He will forgive you you and give you real life. All you have to do is turn from your way and turn to Him. Make that commitment. You don't have to have all the answers. It's a beautiful thing. But sometimes you ask and He doesn't answer you right away. You don't have to have all the answers. But to turn from your own way, turn to Him and take one step and He'll meet you. The second commitment that you need to consider is to commit to being changed by Jesus. Man, I hope that this is not just one of those answers. I, I want to have more love. I want to have more hope. I want to have more joy. I want to have more courage. I want to have more faith. I want to have more life. I get that from Jesus. Here's what I've learned. The best place to get all those things is the source of it. Jesus, commit to allow him to change the things in you that don't look like him. Your reaction, your attitude, the posture of your own heart. Because real change happens from the inside out. Stop talking about all the things that religion wants to say. I'll make you look this way so you get, so you're presentable. No. Jesus wants to change something deep inside of us. third commitment is commit to the mission of Jesus. Okay, what's the mission of Jesus? 
showing everyone everywhere the love and life of God through what we do and what we say. There's lots of different ways that you can do that. But the mission of Jesus, the first thing that he did is he sat down and he gathered 12 people together. He said, I need people in my life to take on this mission I want to carry out. And so he brings people together. And the mission of Jesus is doing life with other people, showing the life and love of God to people who need it so desperately. Because who can you serve and love the way that Jesus serves and loves you? Commit to following Jesus. Commit to being changed by Jesus. Commit to the mission of Jesus. I'd love the opportunity to talk with you about what a next step might be. Man, I, I want to follow Jesus. I don't even know how to do that. <laughs> I would love to talk with you. I would love to pray with you. To say, man, I want to be changed by Jesus. Well, cool, let's talk about a first step of baptism. Okay, that's an outward expression. It tells a story. It makes a statement. Hey, there's something going on on the inside of me that I want everyone to know about. And commit to the mission of Jesus. Man, I'd love the opportunity to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. I'm going to be right outside these doors. And we have something for all of you guys today. I think you already grabbed one. I saw the baskets passing around. Just a reminder of the commitment that you've made today, or maybe that you've made in the past. It's just a button. That's all it is. You can grab more than one of them, too. After service, we'll have a couple of them. But it's just a button, and it has an empty tomb on it, and a stone that's been rolled away. And I want you to take one with you. I'm going to put one on my gym bag. That's what I'm going to do with gym bag. And Mr. Zetra, I'll probably put, put on my other backpack, and I'll probably not put it. Hopefully, I'll do it. But I want you to take one and put it somewhere, just as a reminder that you've got to roll the stone away to let the living water in. And I can do that because the stone has been rolled away. And this is the beautiful thing. No one's there to roll it back over. <laughs> that grave is open. The tomb is empty. Water, living water is pouring out. I have options to you today. Why don't you pray with me? Father, we love you. God, we are grateful that we can have life because you're alive. God, that your plan for us isn't to just exist, isn't to pretend, to fake, sail our way through life, but to have options for real mission, real hope, real forgiveness, real love. And so Jesus, for the one in the room maybe that needs to follow you for the first time, God, I pray that you would reveal that love that you have to them. God, that it's for them. That it doesn't require anything from them. But God, that you have this unending love that you want to extend to them. And so just do it. For the one in this room, God, that want to make a commitment to be changed by you. God, Jesus, I pray that you would begin that change in them. Even right now. of us who are all your followers already, God, that we would commit to your mission. God, that people would know that you are your followers by what you do and what you say, pull people into our lives, and we love them exactly where they are. Because that's what you did for us. 